This is Roots on the Road. I'm Bernice Hembree. And I'm Brian Hembree. We have spent the last 13 years touring the country as musicians and the last 11 building Fayetteville Roots, a music nonprofit based in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Some of our favorite moments involve the thrill of being on stage or seeing an artist in concert for the first time. But for us, the most memorable experiences seem to take place offstage, chatting with musicians about their music, their lives, and what keeps them on the road. We love getting to know musicians and finding out just what makes them tick. Together we sit down with artists, either while touring the country in our Sprinter van or when they pass through Fayetteville for a show. Roots on the Road podcast explores artist-to-artist conversations about making a life in music and the humanity of being a touring musician. No topic is off limits. We invite you to listen in. This is Roots on the Road podcast, season one, episode one. Produced and edited by Josue Garcia. Hey, Bernice, where are we this week? 30A, a festival that spans the Gulf beaches of Florida. In this interview, we talk with Chawa, specifically with Second Chief Joseph Boudreau Jr. and band leader Joe Gelini. They touch on their music in the political and social climate of the U.S. today. But that today was January of 2020. It was pre-COVID, pre-George Floyd, pre-BLM protests that swept through the country. We hear of their history as a band and their Mardi Gras culture, and we explore their musicality and their touring life. It was such an illuminating conversation, and it is just as intriguing today. New Orleans Brass Band meets Mardi Gras Indian outfit Chawa radiates the energy of the city's street culture. My People, the band's follow-up to their Grammy-nominated album Spy Boy, feels like pure joy, a distillation of generations of New Orleans expression. But it also never fails to remind us how hard won that joy was and still is. Not least in the tense, funky, and explosive title track. With its declaration, My People, we're still here. Pop Matters describes the band as a grand gumbo of singing, intoxicating rhythms, and deep funk grooves that are impossible to resist. Enjoy it. Enjoy it. Chawa. 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 That's why, you know, music is so universal because you can love this and that and it's still, you know, it's good music, good music, good music. Can you describe Chawa sound? Um, something that's energetic, you know, it's something that's going to make you dance, it's going to make you move, but it's also going to make you think about, you know, each song, you know, you think about the Bow Down song, you know, when we sing those lyrics in that song, you know, it kind of puts you in the spirit of the spirit he was in when he started writing it, you know, looking at that and seeing how that makes you feel, you know, so it, it brings you to New Orleans. It puts you in the mind of a spectator watching two Indians battle, you know, but musically, it still keeps you on the dance floor, keep you moving while you having that experience, you know. Make the people scream. 
I think that just to echo what Joseph just said, um, you know, I think over the past year of being together and touring and everything that's been happening, you know, in the political climate of the United States and socially um, in the United States, uh, you know, we sort of felt like it was important to um, offer like a voice of protest in the music. And, um, you know, I think that when you listen to the album, it'll become quite clear that, you know, we're trying to resist to certain um, hatreds and perceptions and, uh, you know, negative ideologies that exist uh, that are becoming more and more prominent in the world today. And, um, you know, I feel like it's, it's not necessarily going to slap you in the face with it, but um, I think there's enough nuance in there that if you pay attention and you listen to the lyrics, you're going to understand what the concept is. Rich people living in paradise. Poor people under the bridge at night. Oh yeah. Most people know what it takes to survive. talk about um, this traditional Mardi Gras Indian folk uh, music. Uh, Joseph, I understand you, you kind of have history in that. Your family's been involved yes, for a long yes. time. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, uh, that tradition and culture goes back in my family generations past. Uh, my grandfather was an Indian. Um, my dad is the oldest living Mexican Indian right now. He's also um, one of the pioneers of the type of music that we're trying to bring back to the forefront. Uh, he and Mr. Bull Dollar Sr., they, uh, they both took our traditional music and they put a band behind it. And um, from that point, they toured all over the world and they let everyone hear what the type of music that we're making in New Orleans. And people kind of gravitated towards it and it kind of just spun out and became its own thing now. And we just trying to take that same music and that same vibe and just add our twist to it and continue to bring it around the world.
So what is that music without the band? Because you said they put a band behind it. Yeah, it. So yeah. Well, traditionally it? on the streets, uh, you won't hear this type of music all the time. Uh, back then, you would only hear this music on the streets, in the back streets of the neighborhoods, um, on Mardi Gras Day, uh, something you would hear it on St. Joseph's Night. Um, and at a particular part of the year, you may hear this music in what we call Indian practice. It's a practice of uh, Mardi Gras Indians getting together on a Sunday afternoon after the church and all the day's festivities have gone on. They get together and they gather in different spots of the city and they sing and they chant and they practice tradition with each other. At one point, it was just a neighborhood thing. And um, that's where um, my dad and Bo Dallas, their music was discovered. And they put the band together from that point And, you know, the rest is history. Yeah. yeah. And Joe, how did you come across? How did you find Mardi Gras Indian music? Well, I actually uh, got a chance. Um, man, at this point, it was over 10 years ago. I got a chance to... Uh, start playing with uh, Joseph's dad, who is Monk Boudreaux, big chief of the Golden Eagles. And, um, you know, I just went back and checked out uh, all the music from the Wild Magnolias and uh, from Monk's recordings and the traditional stuff and, and really just tried to grab everything I could, the, the uh, Wild Chapatulis albums. And um, I just went and just really dove in because it, it was a uh it just felt like lightning in a bottle yeah you know and i just was uh obsessed with it and i love the culture with the sewing and the suits and the majesty of the um of the beadwork and and the music and, and the percussion element for me was something that was infectious because you know just the uh, the the tambourines and the cabals, uh, you know, just has this intense syncopation. And actually, while I was in school at Berkeley in Boston, I got a chance to um, meet and uh, spend some time with Idris Muhammad, who's a uh, one of the classic New Orleans drummers uh, who was on, you know, all these essential recordings from uh, New Orleans R&B and jazz. And he told me about the Mardi Gras Indians and how he was playing these patterns, these uh, tambourine and cowbell patterns on the snare drum. And, you know, he was like, you got to get to New Orleans. And then that sort of started my, you know, my obsession. Yeah. And yeah. where were you before that as a drummer? What was your, what was your emphasis or focus or guide? Um, that's a good question. I think it just, I, I had a lot of different influences because I, I love different types of music and I think that kind of shows on the recordings that we do is that you all have a, a really wide variety of taste in music so um, you know just everything from world music to funk music um, you know and jazz in all the different forms uh, you know traditional and modern and um, you know, all those things really have combined influences into what we're doing today. Sunday in the 
cities, the second line popping, the women, it looking pretty, and the brass band knocking. I've been all over the globe, I ain't seen nothing like her. The second line girl, who lost something about her? The way she twists her hips, the way she move her feet, the way she walk her walk, oh girl, come with me. Uptown or at CTC, it ain't nothing like the Crescent City, Creole Queens. I say, second line girl. What about you, Joe? I mean, you're growing up and your dad's actually touring and playing music and he's a professional musician, but he's also participating in the community in that same way. Right, right. Were, were you, were you in, you know, completely in or were you also finding another musical thread outside of that? Um, I was um, obviously, you know, a kid growing up in the early 90s. I was influenced by a lot of hip hop and R&B, but I also was influenced by my dad's music. Um, I actually started touring with my dad at the age of 10. So... I had been around the music scene ever since I can really understand what music really was, you know, how to create it, um, just being around different artists, like you said, from all different kind of genres of music. And you can see how an artist from this particular lane, an artist from this particular lane can get together and create something, you know, that's special. And it's that's why, you know, music is so universal because you can love this and that and it's still, you know, it's good music, you know. What's the modern part? What 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 modern elements you talked about adding a new twist? What what do you feel like you add as a vocalist? Well, like we were just talking about off air, you know, our new album is gonna contain things that our old album didn't. So I believe that's us adding different, you know, elements to our music, different experiences. Um, we just came back off a tour. Uh, where we would spent a lot of time together as a band and we got to understand each other creatively. So that kind of brought out some of the different sounds and stuff that we make, you know, because we'd be messing around and we may not even know that, oh, I didn't know you could do that. Mm-hmm. You know, do that again? Right. Okay, we could use that. Right. You know, so it's just discovering different sounds and different personalities and just putting it into the music. Just after this interview, Bernice and I left 30A Festival on our way to Chawa's hometown, New Orleans. Chawa was on that same road home. Folks from all over the world were converging in NOLA for the International Folk Alliance. I captured this audio with a handheld recorder in a crowded venue downtown. When I hear it, I see that moment in time so clearly. Chawa was getting ready to throw down, getting ready to preview the songs from their yet-to-be-released record, This was Cha Wah's moment. COVID wasn't even a whisper. Mardi Gras 2020 happened a month later, but it was one of the last large-scale events before shutdown. Mardi Gras 2021 was canceled. I was there thinking about Cha Wah playing the Fayetteville Roots Festival in August 2020. Fayetteville Roots Festival 2020 was canceled. That possibility was not on my mind. COVID would also impact the release of Cha Wah's record, My People, the one we talk about in this interview. My People was just released April 2021. The Fable Roots Festival will be back in August 2021, and Chawa will be there performing on the main stage on Saturday night. As the world starts to find a footing coming out of COVID, I can't help but think about how grateful I am to hear this audio. Music has always marked time for me. An album or a song takes me back. I'm sure you can identify. This audio for me is so much more powerful. It embodies the immeasurable loss of 2020. 
should say here that uh, your last record was nominated for a Grammy uh, for Best Regional Roots record. And has that success allowed you a little more freedom? You know, are you, are you gaining a wider, a wider chance to, you know, be in the studio for a little bit longer time to take that exploration? I would definitely say yes. Um, you know, we were, we're really humbled that we got that uh, honor and attention. And, um, you know, I was just, you know, when I heard the news, I just... It was funny. I, our manager called me, and uh, he was like, "Joe, I bet you're wondering, you know, saying to yourself right now, why is Charles calling me at 7:30 <laughs> in the morning?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "Yeah, why are you calling at 7:30 in the morning?" He said, "Because Chawa just got nominated for a Grammy." talking about touring which i can only imagine there's there's a lot of you and a lot of gear and a lot of clothes a lot of suitcases but i'm wondering about the the suit when packing the suits like what how are you doing that when you go to new zealand it has to be built a certain way in order to be packed in a suitcase and i have to credit my dad for that ability he has taught me how to construct a suit to where it's pliable and I can move around in it and like I said just watching him do it for years and years and just learning how to do it so now I'm able to do it and um you just you get stopped by customs a lot <laughs> I can tell you that much I can only imagine yeah. like sir step to the side yeah and, and when they look at it they don't know what they're looking at a lot of times was, they just shocked and wild and then they tell you okay you ain't got any bombs you can go you know <laughs> but you just have to know you're gonna get stopped i tell you ain't nothing like putting on that new fire suit mighty grand put them boots on put them pants put them jackets on you be looking you be like wow So will you talk about the suits and, and just tell the listeners what it what it looks like and, and how it feels when you um, put the suits on? How it feels? It feels, the only word I can really describe it is, is, is you feel glory, you know, and um, that's one of the terms, you know, a lot of the older Indians use because when you put it on, I know from my, speaking for myself, 
uh, especially on Mardi Gras Day, when you put it on, you get a, a sense of spirituality. You know, I feel the older Indians that came before me, you know, a lot of guys that then passed on and I, I still feel them with me when I put it on, you know, yeah. and I know that I'm carrying on a culture that's been around for over 200 years now. And I'm part of keeping that going for yeah. hopefully another 200 or 300, however long it could go. You know, I'm a part of that. So, you know, you definitely feel spe special when you put it on. And when I put it on on the stage, it's a different type of special. Yeah. Because I'm bringing it to people who don't necessarily get a chance to see it on a regular basis or may not even know what it is. Yeah. So I'm watching them try to take it all in all at one time also while listening to the music and trying to take that in so just for me to see the expressions on their face sometimes you know that's all it takes uh, the suit is uh is constructed of what we call patches um and each individual patch it means something different to the person that's making it for instance uh the one that i wear on stage now the entire suit is a tribute to my father um, I created that suit um, on the 30th year anniversary of his album release. Um, so I felt like it was fitting for me to dedicate that to him. So I sold pretty much about nine, 10 months. That's how long it takes to construct it. Did you sew it yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, part of the culture, that's what makes it special. Um, you have to do it yourself. Um, so, you know, I spent about 10 months constructing that suit. Um, and each piece is hand beaded, hand sewed by myself. And uh, a lot of my images of him from different years throughout his career. Um, so yeah, that suit was really special and that's why I still wear that suit on stage. suit down or does it have to be something that you've put your own your effort and your time into or is it something that can be passed down and it's well in um in our tribe the golden eagles um what we do traditionally we have younger members of the tribe who are may not particularly be there uh enhanced on the skills of sewing just yet you know because we start off uh for instance i started when i was one years old so obviously I couldn't sew a suit. And I have nephews and I have nieces and my kids actually started out at that age too. So up until they get to a certain point uh, where they can do it themselves, uh, traditionally the chief, which is my dad, or I'm a chief myself, so we may pass down something that we're not using anymore to one of the younger Indians to get them up to par, you know. And some people, it may take a little bit more time than others some a little less time you know so yeah that's how it typically goes but it doesn't come from other indians it always is in drive it's a family thing you described going out on the road with your dad uh, uh, starting at 10. yeah what were you doing were you participating in the music were you participating in any way or were i you was on stage you were yeah, on stage. i was doing the same thing that i'm doing right now actually <laughs> uh, i was backgrounding a lot though i wasn't leading but i was backgrounding my dad um i had my suit on um i was you know brought up to perform you know yeah. it was me and my dad and bo dollar senior and his son and 
it kind of like was just grooming both of us to take up whenever they leave off, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's just what we've been doing. Just trying to take what they gave us and take our creativity and just bring it to where we want to go. of how you travel talk about that you know you are you in like a 12, 12 passenger van and a and a trailer what kind of what kind of setup is that um it it depends on what sort of touring we're doing um obviously if we're touring out of the country then that takes on its own set of situations where you have to have basically a, a tour manager that uh can guide you through that country yeah. um including you know driving on the <laughs> opposite side of the street yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. passports and all, you know all those different um you know uh, nuanced things and then in in the united states um you know one thing that we've been doing because we did um you know we we hit a ton of some of the biggest uh music festivals in the country which were all over we would fly there we'd fly the band um and our tour manager there then we would uh rent two minivans and then we would drive to the next gig sometimes we'd have a situation where we would just take a leg of that tour and you know do that and drive to the next airport and then just drop the vans off at that airport at the last stop and then fly to another place or you know so on and so forth but it's logistically it's very tricky but um we also do have a 15 passenger van and um you know but basically at this point with this many people we really have to drive two vehicles We had a, a thing earlier where we were uh, we actually were able to tour for a week on Willie Nelson's old tour bus. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think I've seen this bus. Yeah. Is it brown? It. Yes. It, was it doesn't brown. say under the driver's window, bass players make the best drivers or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I believe yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. on a window yeah. or something. Charlie sick. Crockett came and played the um, the Roots Fest a couple years back, and he had, he had borrowed that bus. That's a cool bus. There's yeah. A, there's it a, really is. There's a mirror on the bus that... Um, 
<laughs> I don't know if I can say this, but I'm going to just say it. Um, it. There's a mirror on the bus that uh, says, uh, it says, if you remember this bus, then you've never smoked weed with Willie. <laughs> if you remember being on this bus, then you've never smoked weed with Willie. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it was just you know. So and we that was en route to uh, we played at the Luck Family reunion. Yeah, yeah. And um, that was just uh, a super cool experience. That's amazing. Well, to, to you know, paint a picture of this, uh, the way I understand this bus, it's it's like '70s era. Right, oh, you know, yeah. so it's like height of what people would imagine Willie as. You know, I mean, yeah. obviously he's got a, probably a just beautiful prevost now, but this is this is that '70s era Willie oh, yeah. kind of bus. I know? mean, it's in, you know, uh, it's that era. I mean, they haven't changed the design. It's it's like classic, classic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so what did that do for you to have that space and that you know uh, that that ability to do that for a week? Um, you know, it's, I think it's different, um, you know, the whole idea of, you know, having to sleep in the bus and then, you know, you're driving the whole time uh, to the next venue. Then you, you know, you're pulling up and to the, into a venue where that's where you go and you shower and you, you know, change. There's a dressing room and it's, um, it's a little bit more, it feels a little bit more official, but, you know, at this point, we're really going through, we go through so many different uh, venues that, you know, it's not really about, um, you know, th- what you travel in to get there. It's about, you know, the journey that you're yeah. taking with everybody because you can have amazing accommodations. And if somebody in the band is, um, you know, having an issue, it kind of affects everybody. And you have to be able to, compartmentalize and you know sort of work through it but you know we've been very lucky that we have a a lineup of guys that work so well together and our tour manager is great and it's really like a family situation so you know as the band leader um you know i'm very fortunate that you know i can say things like hey guys we got this situation where um we got offered to play uh you know somewhere and then we had to literally like kind of drive through the night to get to the next venue to connect it with the rest of this tour. And, you know, everybody, you know, just buckled up and we did it, you know, no, no one was complaining. No one was given an attitude. Everybody was like, we got work to do. Our job is to play music. Let's go do that. So that's the road, but then talk about home, because I mean, you know, the idea of coming back home—that's so so much a big part of of your music. What is that like? Well, that's I was going to ask, like coming home, but also, what do you guys do at home when you're not playing music? What's your community like, and what do you guys like to do outside of music? 
sleep <laughs> yeah joe does a lot of sleep let's just point out that uh, yeah. it is we we are sitting here uh in beautiful florida and it is about 4 15 and uh the joes got here about 30 minutes ago and um one of the Joes said, I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> I won't name names. Yeah, we'll just <laughs> say not the Joe. young one. Yeah. His, name, his name is Joe. Uh, no, but I mean, in all seriousness, I mean, if we're coming back from a, you know, a two or three week run, sometimes we're home for a day. We did we, that tour that I was telling you about earlier uh, with the Willie Nelson bus. We toured all the way up until Mardi Gras and then left on a plane two days later mm. and that was kind of insane you know um so what when you wind up having all these weeks and weeks on the road oftentimes you know you're wake you're taking the five thirty a.m flights um you know waking up in the middle of the night uh for the for lobby call and you know so by the, when you do actually get home i mean you could sleep for a week but um you know you often don't get that that part, but we both have kids. Um, he, Joseph has a amazing family and, um, I do too. And, you know, I think we just try to focus on being home and being present and, you know, being a dad, being a husband and, you know, trying to really appreciate that. Yeah. You definitely have to make time for family because when you go on, you know, a quarter of the year, you know, everybody at home, kind of when you come home, like, I need my attention now. So, um, yeah, like you said, you know, you try to spend a lot of time with family. You try to catch up on things that you have missed out on. Um, in the process, like I said, every year I have to make a new Indian suit. So that actually takes a lot of time um, sitting there for hours. You know, I might sit down for six to eight hours in one day, some days, maybe four. Depends on how I can get it in. So you got to kind of juggle that with family and home um but luckily enough in my in my household we all kind of participate so it's kind of it's not frowned upon like it would be in another household you know so we kind of make it work is there something in your community that when you come home you like to connect with yeah well new orleans is always something going on there's always something special happening so it's like you just peek your head out the door and you may have a second line that you might want to go participate in um you know it's just all sorts of events that goes on um so you try to you know get in get those in and when you can but living in new orleans it's no shortage so you know when you come home it's gonna have something there for you can you talk about some of the other uh, songs that, that are on the record, or maybe not the songs, but the feel of the record? I mean, is this something that can draw a circle around, or, or is this something that has a definitive place for you musically? Um, I mean, I think each song has, like, its own kind of personality, you know, but we're trying to all keep it, you know, boxed into what we call a Chawa song, you know? We try not to sound like anyone else, but we want to make music that's relatable to everyone. So we kind of just try to keep that structure. Um, so on this new record, there's this record, or there's this song, Bow Down. And, and it seems like it embodies that idea of putting on the suit. Yeah. You know, can uh, you talk about that? Bow Down um, is uh, me and Aurelian Barnes. That song actually came from a conversation. Like I said, uh, sometimes you just sit down. Uh, but me and Aurelian was having a conversation about me in an Indian suit. Uh, he came out to come and see me. Um, I want to say it was a 
St. Joseph Night. Uh, he seen it and uh, just the embodiment of the way I was performing in the suit. And um, he kind of came up with this concept. So we just worked on it and he just started building on it and building on it. And next thing you know, we have a song, you know, and it's actually the entitled uh, that in one of the title tracks of the album, which is called My uh, My People, he's on that too. So um, the bow down aspect comes from when you open up your suit, the person in front of you, your objective is to make them bow because it's a competition now. Um, it's a competition of how beautiful you can make the suit, uh, you, how can you perform in the suit, you know, the things that you can make that that person can't so and if that person can't then they have to bow down to you not literally but figuratively so that's one of the things that we tell to a competing indian is to bow down so that's what the this, this song is really about It seems even in what you were describing with respect to this um, being in your Indian suit and you're, you're having this competition, then there's a moment where then you, someone wins and you, you take that suit off and then, but you go back to life. You know, is that, is that, a, is that a thing? It's a, it's a thing of respect. Yeah. Um, because even though we're competing at the end of these, uh, you know, competitions, we both shake hands and we both respect what one another is doing. Um, we know that we're competing for the culture. We're not competing against each other man to man. We're competing in the cultural aspect of it. So, you know, there's respect at the end of the day. When I think about the essence of Mardi Gras Indian music um, and it being such a you know, it, it was it was born in New Orleans, which is the cradle of American music. So, um, you know, it, it, New Orleans has a, a, you know, a very um, negative history as far as, um, you know, how it's uh, treated African-Americans and people of color over the generations. And, um, you know, essentially, I heard somebody talk about Mardi Gras Indian chants and music as songs of freedom and um, you know the the tradition goes that you know uh, Mardi Gras Indians and correct me if I'm wrong Joseph but um, you know that they're paying homage to their ancestors is one of the things they're doing when they mask and when they sing and um, you know their ancestors uh, you know were American Indians that took uh, took them in when they escaped from slavery and they created these maroon communities and they were able to actually protect them by sort of hiding in plain sight and that bloodline actually came all the way down and you know uh the boudreaux actually share in that they're part choctaw yeah and and um and uh cherokee too right yes and cherokee so um you know i feel like you know what we're trying to do with Chawa is to sort of echo some of that to be able to uh, be able to put it in a context where you know it's 
it's modern, it's funky, it's palatable, it's something that all people can appreciate, but there's a really, uh, there's a really deep sense of culture and respect in honoring that tradition. And, um, you know, I think that no matter what we do, our goal is to have one foot in that tradition and one foot, you know, in doing something in our, with our own voice. Joe and Joe, thank you so much for being with us here. <laughs> Thanks thank for having you. us. Thank you for having us. Real pleasure. And uh, we'll, we'll catch Chawa out there on the road. Yes, indeed. Find out more about Chawa at chawaband.com. C-H-A-W-A band.com. This interview was recorded on location at 30A Festival in Florida, January 2020. A big thank you to Oxford American and Sarah Lewis for partnering with us to make it happen. And a big thanks to all those hardworking folks at 30A who bring such great music to light. This episode was edited and produced by Josue Garcia at the Roots Studio in Fayetteville. This season of Roots on the Road is sponsored by Tyson Family Foundation, Tito's Vodka, Adventure Subaru, and Experience Fayetteville. Fayetteville Roots is a 501c3 organization with a mission to connect community through music and food. We produce the Fayetteville Roots Festival. Operate the Roots HQ, a historic venue on the Fayetteville Square. We foster support opportunities for musicians and for our music community. And lead year-round music and food programming in Northwest Arkansas and beyond. Learn more at FayettevilleRoots.org. Wild man.